Hello, welcome back to the show, everyone. We've had a little bit of a break and we're back um, starting again on the podcast. And obviously we're all about retail. We're talking to different people in retail sectors and I suppose an expert in their own right and understanding different perspectives. And I'm really excited to talk to Owen Clifford today. Um, he is head of retail for Bank of Ireland. And I'm just really interested to see, I suppose, Owen, um, first of all, to get an introduction from yourself and then we can dive in and talk a little bit about retail and what we're seeing so own tell us a little bit about yourself hi louise and thanks a million for having me on on your show um look first of all i'm a Kerry man exiled in cork um i've led bank of ireland's retail proposition now for the last nine years so time is absolute i can't couldn't believe it actually when i was thinking back it's nine years and i'm part of what's a wider sector team in bank of ireland and i suppose just to give a bit of background in terms of the sector team, Louise, we're all, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we're all recruited directly from our individual um, sec from our individual sectors and, and industries. So one of the, the, the root causes, I suppose, of, of financial crisis going back in, in 2008 was that too many banks, financial institutions, that they were accused of having their backs to the window and not getting an external view or not speaking with customers enough or operating within their own echo chamber. So how Bank of Ireland addressed that was by um, putting in place this, this sector scheme. So look, we're, as I said, we've, we've, um, we're all really passionate about, about our industry. I like to think sometimes that we're, we're a bit like the Avengers of Irish banking without the costumes or the, the superpowers, obviously, but it's, it's a unique proposition and, and I'm really delighted to be part of it because it allows me to be an advocate for the Irish retail sector meeting and engaging with retailers across the 26 counties on a on a daily basis and unquestionably that's the best part of the, the role because if, if you speak retailers language I think you can build a relationship and for me it's not about the, the hard sell with, with products or anything like that it's about developing relationships that that are long term that are sustainable and that when retailers do need funding or do need a sounding board or a different perspective that I'm there for them at the the, the other end of, of the phone or, or to meet them in, in person. And I suppose that's um, the, the one thing that I, that I would say around me, I'll get out and about, Louise, is that you learn from meeting on the shop floor. You're not going to learn about retail. You're not going to find out what's happening, what's current sitting behind the desk. So um, I'm not a house cat by any means. So the last couple of years, you know, post-COVID, it's been great to get back on the on the road again. And the, the range of retailers that I meet as well, look, I'm, I'm meeting with, you know, multi, multi-store corporates to, to, to one-store entities. So it's, it's such a range and such a, a diversity of retailers that are out there. And look, I'm really looking forward to, to I've been out and about already, but really looking forward to what 2024 brings, you know. Yeah, yeah. I suppose kind of the consumer sentiment at the moment, um, own, and I suppose you'll probably know this because you're speaking a lot, is there's a little bit, I suppose, and I suppose social media is probably driving a little bit of a fear um, there with a lot of the retailers. I suppose what I'm hearing is the minimum wage has gone up. Um, yep. And obviously some are struggling because when we give the minimum wage an increase, that impacts then what the supervisor's salary are and the hourly rate for the rest of the management team. And that's yep. obviously for, for those retailers that maybe and um, they're a food retailer or a pharmacy retailer, and maybe they have two or three sites. And now they have to look at maybe pay restructuring in the business. And I suppose the worry is 
they're kind of wondering where the costs, where they can actually, you know, I suppose, pull back uh, on other areas of the business. Um, what are the kind of trends, I suppose, that you're seeing um, currently own? And I suppose, is there anything that we can learn from other markets um, in yeah. Europe in how to alleviate those kind of, I suppose, challenges that they're having? Because I always think there's solutions out there if we if we think outside the box a little bit. Um, and yeah. sometimes that's looking at how other people do things in a different way, perhaps. Yeah, look, look, I, I, I fully hear you, Louise, in terms of the, the, the sentiment piece. And I suppose yeah, it goes it goes without saying. And, and first of all, I start off by saying how pivotal the retail sector is to the, the Irish economy. There, with my, my accountant's hat on, like it's generating 30 billion in sales annually, 12% of our GDP, 300,000 people in, employed. And, and internationally, we're recognised for our really high standards. And Ireland remains a, a, a really attractive market for for retailers to come in and i think that's what's um it's it's in terms of the standards that are there we've seen a, an entrepreneurial type um ownership model in in ireland where people own and operate their own business and then you've got that with the with the 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 international retailers coming in and it's it's really risen the standards yeah look i start from a, a i have to start i suppose by by mentioning that that's the positive side that's out there because you're quite right in a lot of the media at the moment is focusing on the on the negative side of things and can look we're seeing if there's a one store closure it's some commentators are i call it a bit like it's a bit like chicken licking commentary you know they're questioning the the future of bricks and mortar they're yeah. actually questioning the the future of the sector the sector mm. in general Mm. And we see that in 2019, Owen, oh, sorry to cut in there, but I seen yeah. that in 2019 where, you know, pre-COVID where, you know, if I look at the likes of Rituals Cosmetics, they came into the Irish market and I, they opened the store in Galway that I was a part of and, and looking back, Owen, oh, you know, they increased their store portfolio. They now operate, I think they have, is it maybe 16, 17 stores? Yeah in the Irish market, you know, and they're a global brand. Uh, I think they're estimated one billion um yeah, yeah, euro on, yeah. on the stock market. So the point I'm making is everyone was saying that, you know, Debenhams are gone, this is gone, you know, yeah. and, and then we see a Dutch brand and it's from my perspective, I hear the people saying it, but I'm seeing a very different um perspective on the ground. Now I know yeah. it's different. They're different yeah, uh, categories. No, we there is opportunities, yeah. We need to be careful, Louise, you know, because look, there, the, the challenges are there. Unquestionably, there are challenges. If not for a minute, yeah. my sugar coat, you know, you've got supply chain issues that they've raised their head again in the last the last month or so. The cost base that you mentioned, the f consumer sentiment flux is complete, is fluctuating the, the whole time, linked to social media, linked to what we're seeing. And then you have the antisocial behavior as well that we saw around um, Thanksgiving Day and in, in, in Thanksgiving evening in, in, in Dublin. But I think you need to have balance without sugarcoating because at the moment when you've got full employment mm -hmm. um and you're struggling as a sector to recruit people the last thing you want is that it's all negative 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 that's in the media or in in commentary around the around the sector because if if you're somebody that's trying to choose your career where are you going to look at it? if you're saying right this is a sector that that's under pressure this is a sector that um all all of the commentary we're seeing isn't going isn't um isn't positive well, then you're, you're going to struggle to get the right people. And if you struggle to get the right people, it has a, a domino effect, unfortunately, because that will result in poor customer service. 
disengage customers. It's um, and then you'll start struggling. So, I I think that that balance is needed. And look, I've met look like I, I met said at the outset. I'm meeting retailers the whole time. I've met 150 to 170 retailers over the last 12 months. And I suppose what I I the, the mood I'd say is kind of cautiously optimistic, Louise. Yeah, and, and there's yeah. a that's that's you know linked to their own performance, but it's also linked to the, the wider economic um things that are out there. We've got population growth. It's the first time since the 1840s that our population is greater than 5 million. We've got full employment and we've got um, savings levels, personal savings levels are at, a, are at an all-time high. Yes, they're starting to be eaten into over the last 12 months, but they're still at an all-time high. And the, the CSO data as well, like that, that aligns with that. We're seeing that 22 and 23, very strong from a sales volume perspective mm. and very, very strong compared to, to 2019. You referenced 2019. We're seeing the sales volumes are and ne- nearly double digits um, increase compared yeah. to 2019. That's, that's in the retail, I suppose, own that those stats you're getting. Of re- yeah, yeah, completely. Okay. completely. Okay. Yeah. Like the, pop- the population growth is one that's, that's um, I suppose, that's interesting because it links to your mm. point around, you know, new retailers coming in. In the yeah. last, um, since 90, 1997, our population has grown by 40%. So the EU average is 5%, and the next closest is Spain at 20%. So at that growth, and like we have, when you think of, you know, new shopping centres being built or, mm-hmm. or new, any, there hasn't been any in probably 20, 25 years. So if you're an international mm-hmm. retailer and you're looking in at, um, at, at a market, you're going, right, we've got, Low, low unemployment, we've got strong savings levels, we've got a growing population. This is a market that, and they, and they, the, the data science that they use, it's very, very sophisticated in terms of, you know, we're going to move, we're, if we're going to choose a location and move into a location. And that's one of the reasons that they're, go, that they're coming to Ireland. Like it's, and there's probably a domino effect with that because if footfall, if we've seen the likes of Lego mm-hmm. um, have gone on to, to Grafton Street and the, the, that has performed really, really well. So that means now that there's more international retailers are looking at city centre again, where previously they might have been looking at just the regional parks or looking at suburban locations, where now they're going, right, there's an opportunity here for us to go back into the into the city centre in, in Ireland, be it in Dublin, be it in Galway, be it in Cork. And we're seeing the likes of Decathlon, Ikea, um, Mont Blanc, Lulumelon, all of these... In- and international retailers and it's a change because there was definitely an over-reliance Louise on the the UK mid-tier fashion retail in Ireland for yeah. too long and yeah. now it's good for the it's good for us the consumer because we've got more diversity in terms mm-hmm. of the, the 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 proposition that's out there but from a landlord perspective as well they're they're getting more comfortable now with the, the retail proposition and they're saying right and being a little bit more pragmatic as well if we can bring in the right type of retailer in into this in this area it'll bring more footfall in and then other retailers will come along as well and that complementary retailers so we're seeing landlords being a little bit more pragmatic as well and that's opening doors for for irish retailers to get high profile locations where maybe 10 15 years ago the rent levels were way too high and they wouldn't have got them so you know they're getting an opportunity with a pop-up shop an opportunity maybe with turnover based rent an option to to lease or, or whatever and it's it means that we're we're seeing more engagement for for those retailers on on the high street than what we would have we would have previously, you know. Yeah, what I suppose what's happening within our European counterparts? How does the 
Irish retail sector fair compared to the rest of Europe? Are we trending up? Are we what what are we how are we looking? It's um in in in, in general it's actually quite it's quite similar. Look the, from mm-hmm. a sales perspective we're perform we're performing probably a little bit better in terms of sales volume increases. But if you're looking at the the overall sector and how this the sector has mm-hmm. has changed and, and the where retailers are locating is quite similar, Louise. Like the mm-hmm. the renaissance in terms of suburban and regional stores post-COVID, that's something that we've seen across all of Europe. It's not just um it's not just in Ireland. So the the occupancy levels now in terms of shopping centers in 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 Ireland, or sorry, even the vacancy levels. If I flip it, the vacancy levels for shopping centers are three and a half percent, and for regional park they're four percent. So you know we're very 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 full in terms, and there's an appetite for retailers to come in, and that's similar. That's the similar type of profile we're seeing that we're seeing around the around Europe as well. The the city center the recovery has been slower, but it is starting mm-hmm. to 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 recover, and I think that. Maybe in Ireland we're probably a little bit behind some of the European counterparts in terms of the development mm-hmm. of the of our city centres, and and what we're seeing with retailers here now is that they're maybe adopting that more European or international perspective where where less is more, and where yeah. previously they might have had, you know, maybe four or five shops around the city centre, they're pulling back, and now they're having just maybe one or two flagship stores with a a focus more on the experience, mm-hmm. as opposed to just the the sales level and. You haven't seen less stock in terms of some of those city centre stores. And it's I think the they're nearly being a gateway, actually, Louise, for for mm-hmm. the region, for regional suburban stores or for um, for the online, the online offering. So mm-hmm. that's that's something that across internationally and in Europe, we would have seen we would have seen more of where I think in, in Ireland, it, we were a bit, sl- a bit slow to adopt that. The, the other areas is around the just the. The mix that's in our city centres in in Ireland, it was very much retail focused on its own. Where mm-hmm. internationally, they they we're seeing more hospitality, more entertainment, more residential in terms of our city centres. So a greater mix to drive footfall in. It's essentially the the living city. Look, we've heard about the living city, um, and mm-hmm. and it's been um, bandied about in terms of in terms of Ireland and what are we going to do about it. But that is more adva- that is more advanced. Look, there was. An example of John Lewis in the UK, where I suppose they, they felt right. We we've oh, we've an overuse of retail with some of our stores. We need to to realign them, and so they converted some of the upstairs and their stores to to residential. Being very very smart, then with that they fitted them out with their own furniture. So that's you know brand engagement straight mm-hmm. away. And then if because they've got a sister brand from a grocery perspective and Waitrose. If you're renting there, well, you were going to get a discount if you did your grocery shopping in Waitrose. So just being really smart and bringing everything, everything together. And we would have seen then in some, I suppose, that entertainment pieces around the crazy golf, um, a retail outlet with it, um, the hospitality, hostels, that type of operation. Not mm-hmm. seeing that, hadn't seen that in Ireland. Now it's interesting yeah. to see some of the plans for um, Stevens Green for the shopping centre. They're going to include some of that, so I think you know we're we're slowly getting there in terms yeah. of it, you know. But yeah. it's it's um the, the the overall I suppose and from the the economic foundations mm-hmm. in terms of the the Irish uh, economy that is probably the key differentiator. Mm-hmm. We're performing better than some of the European cities, mm-hmm. so it's seen from an international perspective. Mm-hmm. Ireland is seen as an attractive location. That's why 
people, people are coming here, you know. Mm. I suppose I'm listening to you there. Just I suppose talking about different ways that I suppose <clears throat> retailers are are propositioning um their businesses. You know, from um I suppose uh, a branding piece with the you know this is our flagship store pulling back maybe yep. um the old fashioned we'll fill it up and it'll sell because obviously yeah that's yeah yeah yeah. And that's consumers' behaviors have changed, so we've had to adapt to that. What What do you see? I suppose from from discussing those kind of, I suppose, aspects of the entertainment piece. You talked about the Lego store and different things like that. What do you feel if there is SMEs listening out there? Um, what do you feel um they need to adapt more of in order for them to, I suppose, to see a change in 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 how how their business operates. I find with the SMEs are a little, it's a slower, it's a slower sell. They're slower to change, especially the smaller ones. I suppose, is there any low hanging fruit that you've seen through your visits with, you know, you said 170 retailers. Is there any low hanging fruit that the retailers listening to this now um, can maybe go away and maybe think about or take maybe some action to doing around that? Yeah, no, no, yeah, perfect. Um, I think, from the last couple of months when I've been meeting retailers, what, what mm-hmm. I've been saying to them, it's um, let's do more for 24 is, is the mantra I've been using. Um, I noticed that Operation Transformation um, to, um, stole my, my thunder in the last in the last couple of weeks. But um, I won't be going down any copyright <laughs> infringement or anything like that with RT on it. I think they're enough on their plate. But what does more in 24 mean? Look, for M is about margin management. And mm-hmm. I think it's about, look, there's a, probably sometimes an over-focus in terms of price, price, price. And look, that's unsustainable. I think retailers, they have to be really careful around, around um, not diluting their margins. So demonstrating the value, the value that their product um, brings. Mm-hmm. So be it and, and, and upselling and really communicating in terms of the quality, in terms of the, the provenance, the, the service, all of those aspects, really, really important. So just that, that mark, and getting into it in a granular um, fashion from a margin perspective around their products as well. Looking at the product range that they have, just because they've always had it, is that the right thing? Is there a case that they can actually pull back some sometimes? Mm-hmm. And it's a hard thing to do in terms of the number of SKUs that they have, you know, but then mm-hmm. think of the benefits around that. That gives them more leverage sometimes if they're buying more of one or they can have more leverage opposite the suppliers then and pass that on to the customer again from a, from a value perspective. The, mm-hmm. the other area then is around O from MO. So O is omnichannel. And with, with omnichannel, some people get really frightened when they hear about omnichannel. What's this about? Essentially, it's about making sure there's consistency between the online offering and the physical store. Mm-hmm. That's, that's essentially it. Integrating from your purchasing all the way through mm-hmm. to your after, your after sale. And I have the most conversations I have with retailers is, is around omni-channel and personnel, yeah. being honest with you. They're the, they're the two. But like, Yeah, I'm actually going to pause you on that because the omni-channel is, is something I actually wanted to bring up with you. And I'm glad you actually brought that up now, Owen, um, because I think COVID forced a lot of the Irish SMEs, you know, it really pushed them into it. And I think the government done a great thing with the, you know the online voucher piece it really helps them get up their e-com um with with, yep. with their retail outlet and, and that's been brilliant for them and, and it's probably it's probably good that that happened in a way because it, it got them then into another 
channel another way to actually make money for their business whereas they only have that one channel Um, and I think it was that kind of resistance to change that I touched on there a few minutes ago there is that fear factor a little bit around that and with the omni channel I suppose um, and a lot of the retailers that I talk to they are I suppose they're caught in a bit of a loop on because they're seeing maybe some people sell you know through uh it could be instagram shops and then they check the algorithm and then they're like they're not getting the sales and then they go down another avenue and then they're paying for facebook ads and they're they're just getting so overwhelmed with the amount of information out there okay but sometimes too much information can actually be i suppose can put, set you back further because you're Correct, overwhelmed yeah. um, right. and you can, might procrastinate or you might find it hard to really, I suppose, make those critical decisions that you need to make. Yeah. Um, what, what, what's your kind of take on that? Because obviously I what I'm seeing is, is that probably they don't understand the market they're going after properly. So they think all of the customers are their customers. So they're not probably narrowing that down to what platform the customers are actually on and how yeah. to actually speak to them. And another thing is, is I think the consensus I got off a couple of SMEs um, was own when we close the door at six o'clock, we also close our online shop. Mm-hmm. And, and and I had to have a few tough conversations where it's, you know, the business, if we're online, you're selling 24-7. That doesn't mean oh, you're there okay. on the laptop 24-7, but we need to be really thinking in terms of that um, from, you know, getting orders out, you know, really being mindful of that and creating an experience around that. The customers will want to shop at you again. We know we're not an Amazon. We're not set up logistically to be an yeah. Amazon as a country at the moment. Yeah, with completely, day, completely. Um, delivery. So we're actually very lucky in Ireland. When I was in the US, uh, own you know, they're on a whole nother level. You, you nearly get your Amazon delivery within a couple of hours, you know. So yeah, yeah, we're yeah. here, um, if I order something on Amazon and I'm in the West of Ireland in Galway, I'd be lucky to have that within two weeks, you know. So yeah. you know, a lot of people are worrying and I think you're acting so much potential right now because those SMEs are actually Amazons because their turnaround time is a lot quicker um, than yeah. what we have. And we don't have those big players in the market at the moment. But I suppose going back to what I initially wanted to touch on is those channels, those kind of challenges they're having, what solutions or what are you working with, with with the retailers on how to come up with maybe a process or an approach to try and help them understand that a little bit better? Yeah, look, the, the, that's, I think you've touched on an awful lot of the, the points there, Louise, which are out there. And I think when, when we were speaking about online and when I'm speaking with retailers about online, it's about bringing it back to the bringing it back to, to, to basics and and having that, putting that framework in place that allows them to get the, the most out of it. And I think consistency is absolutely key. The the big the big ish, issue is that they were in silos. They were operating completely in silos because you're right, during, during COVID, true necessity, they set up online, physical store went off and did its own, did its own thing. And what actually was happening that it was driving inefficiencies within the business in terms of the the online piece was off to one side the physical store on the other and i probably the, i equated sometimes like if you have you know you're meeting a, a friend that you haven't seen in ages and you're bringing the kids with you it's like a play date you know you just say look let let them off they'll be fine you know even though they've never never met so that structure wasn't put in place to allow um both of them to, to integrate properly so it's it's going through it step by step to make sure that there is real integration all the way through the supply chain from purchasing 
to the the after the after sale service to make sure that there is that cons that consistency piece in place, and then it's about utilizing what you have and utilizing the strengths that you have. And look, a couple of examples that that I have seen is around the, the really generating what is like micro fulfillment hubs we call them, but that's just converting store, converting your store to make sure that the individual stores are equipped um, yeah. and integrated with the online offering. And that's getting back to the point that you mentioned. There was dealing with a retailer who had um, stores around the country. But if you ordered online from Galway, it was going to be shipped from, from Dublin as opposed to being shipped from a store if they had a store in Galway. What we saw is when they integrated that properly using a very simple IIT by making sure that somebody orders online, it pings within the nearest store. That store then was able, able to ship and fulfill the order to the person in Galway. So a couple of benefits for the, for the customer, quicker delivery. If they want to return, they know they can go into the physical store very quickly. There's not going to be any charge with that. And it's up to the retailer then to actually um, upsell once they once they come into the store. The benefits for the retailer, um, better carbon footprint. We're speaking, you know, the delivery is less instead of coming from Dublin. It's, it's, it's going from the store in Galway to your, mm -hmm. to your home. And critically, because this was causing a lot of issues, no Dublin up on stock. They're actually being really efficient in terms of using their stock as opposed to having stock in the central warehouse stock in the store so mm -hmm. it's that that integration piece is is mm -hmm. the is the key that's the key thing and i suppose another thing i'd have seen mm. that's been really smart about it was a, a retailer couldn't crack online they were wondering they were saying look we've we've put in chatbots we've put in um ai we've tried a lot of different things we just can't seem to crack it what they decided was they had one underperforming store. Um, this was um, in, in the home um, subsector, one underperforming store. So they decided, right, we're going to put webcams into the store that's underperforming. So now if you're trying to, if you want to order something from that retailer online, you're speaking with a person in a physical store who can point out exactly the different products, can engage with you. They know the they know the system. They know each of the individual products. Mm -hmm. They know what will work, what will go together. Ne nearly giving you a, an interior design um, workshop while you're speaking with them. Yeah. And just sales have sales have increased phenomenally. So you've got a, a shop that was struggling, a physical shop that was struggling, is now sustainable. And you've got an online store that wasn't working, and now people are coming towards it because they're saying, right, this we're dealing with people. And I think the big mm -hmm. thing around um omni channel is around engaging the people because there was that element of you know we're going to go online and there was that hesitancy with the staff as well around how am i going to, to work with this and if you don't you can have the best system in the world but it's a bit mm -hmm. like giving somebody who cycled all their life a ferrari if you don't teach them how to drive it's not going you know they're not going to get there any faster yeah. so yeah the training piece like that's the, the it's absolutely massive at the moment in terms of in terms of even of, retaining of staff, I think, own what you're touching on there, because I think that the, the market at the moment um, with <coughs> the the workforce coming in at the moment has a higher expectation owned than what they Correct. had 15 years ago. Um, and we've seen a lot of, I suppose, a lot of the, I suppose you could say the longer term kind of staff when COVID hit, especially in the retail sector in Ireland, a lot of those long-serving managers actually left the market. And we, yep. we, we're now seeing a very different, um, 
you know, group middle management in the retail sector. They're a lot younger and they're very ambitious. They they want to be engaged in the workplace and they want they want to know why. What why am I doing this? Share yep. the KPIs with them, give them that training. Um, and I think it's whereas years ago, I think the the thinking on it was you know, you kind of were thrown in the deep end in a retail store and you're expected to sink or swim. Okay, yep, so you're throwing yep. them onto tills, go off there now. If you have a customer complaint, you're trying to figure it out. And I think that isn't actually going to work anymore because if you put the newer work for the emerging Gen, Gen Zs into that situation, mm-hmm. they're going to say to you, no, I can go somewhere yeah. else and get really good training. Why would that's they the point. No, no, so, that's the point, yeah. So, so they'll walk away. So we're seeing that I think what needs to happen is there needs to be a change. Um, like the way consumer behaviours change, the employees' behaviours are changing rapidly. Completely, the retailers completely. that don't actually get on board with those behavioural changes and change how they manage their teams will be left with staff that are unengaged, not enthusiastic and um, people that don't want to come into work and people that are really just working for a pay packet so they've no investment in the company they yeah, don't yeah. Really buy into the vision because they haven't been bringing them along to get them bought into the vision by supporting and nurturing that culture within the business yeah so, and you touched on it culture culture is the key thing and look this when yeah. I, the, the one thing when i look when i meet retailers and, I, and mm-hmm. you know that in terms of they're looking for 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 new funding right so we say that getting to the nuts and bolts the retailer comes to me and they're saying right what's the most important thing they think the first thing that i'm looking at is in terms of the the financials the first thing i'm looking at is what's the development plan for their staff because it's absolutely critical at the moment given that it's um given we're, we're such a shortage what what type of training is being put in place is there something really passionate about how are you um growing growing your staff opportunities is there a career for them there is it are you broadening their skill set because the skill set is evolving and changing the whole time? What about the life skills? Bringing you know that you have to think about creating a team spirit that it's not just about work, work. What about yeah. life skills for them so they can mm-hmm. they can develop as well? And there's definitely in uh, some of the retailers that I meet, there's a disproportionate focus on recruitment as opposed to actually developing the people that they have. Yeah. Yeah, you know, succession planning, I think, own succession planning and um, yeah. retailers. I think when we look at succession planning, I think for them, it's an abstract idea. And right. if we look yeah. at the, the bigger companies, the med tech, all of them, they do succession planning. The IT companies do really well. And I say to retailers, succession planning, basically, if that manager that's here 30 years leaves and they have all of that knowledge and they walk out right. the door. Correct. Yeah. You're where, what are you left with? You're left with a team that weren't shown how to take in a delivery, that weren't shown how to, um, you know, do a, a void on a till. All of these kind of basic day to day, you know, runnings of the business because they don't see it as important. And I think there's a little bit of firefighting going on and, yeah. and kind of reactive as opposed to being proactive in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I completely I agree with you from, from a succession. The one thing I'm always saying is, how would you carve success out of succession? Um, yeah. And the, the big thing around it is, is there's too much of a focus on ownership succession. And, it, and that, that's important. That's really, really important. But operational succession is, is equally important. And that type of, you know, that mentoring, um, how are people in a position to step up, to remove that vacuum that you spoke about? That's really, really, really important. And I think it's, it's even more important given that the, the type of consumer that's out there at the moment, you know, they don't, they have zero patience, zero loyalty. 
So mm-hmm. if standards start to slip, they don't care that, you know, we're in an interregnum between managers. They'll just give, they'll give you one chance, they'll give you two chances. If it's not there, they'll move on. And I think it's especially in, in Ireland, given that one of the benefits of, um, and one of the real differentiators of us as a retail market is mm-hmm. uh, there is an opportunity to move yeah. into to ownership. So a lot of managers will want to move into store ownership themselves and they see that as their growth plan. So as a, if you're not developing the next people to come up from a management mm-hmm. perspective, you're leaving yourself wide open that, that you'll get that, 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 that notice saying, I'm taking over my own store because that's be, that probably drives, especially in grocery and convenience, there, mm-hmm. you know, people that are in, in across all the sector are looking at maybe having their own store and growing in that, in that. And that's why they want, they got in in the first place. So yeah. if you're not putting the succession planning or the training in place, well, you know, you're going to opt, it's going to be um, very, very difficult when, th- when those people then move on, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really, it's a really great point you've made on. You've, you've really good stuff there coming out. Um, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm trying not to jump in because I'm getting a bit excited what you're saying because you touched on something there that I think is, and when I, when I do a podcast with someone, I go, right, is there any tangibles we can take away from the conversation and possibly look at implementing in the business? Because for me, it's about taking the action and seeing yep. something there. And I think you touched on something there. And I I spoke with a business in Kildare a few months ago, and they're actually um, doing a buy-in option for their staff, which I thought was a fantastic idea. And you touched yep. on it there when you said about, you know, these grocery retailers building into the succession plan where they're going to hopefully, you know, take ownership of that. But I think yeah. there's other options there. Um, many years ago, I worked in Next and I was in their share saver scheme. I bought mm-hmm. shares and I doubled um, and I sold my shares, obviously, because I was younger at the time. So I wanted the money. I made such a profit from it, you know, and, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. and I just and I remember every Monday morning we went for our manager meeting own and we would we go into that manager meeting and top of the agenda would be how is our shares performing in the business? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. After that conversation, we go into the KPIs, we go, right, how are we doing? How's our productivity targets? How's our payroll? Tar- and we'd have a big meeting. But that was that was a real driver for yeah, success. Correct. And we felt we were part of the success story. So I think something for retailers to think about today is that having that i suppose that perspective that there is these other ways to get buy-in from your team that they're bought into your 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 company bought into correct. your vision and the future of it and um, you know yeah, for correct. The road. yeah yeah it's, it's, it is look that's that that piece that communication piece look it's a cliche but that is really really important that if you're not if you're you have to treat your staff the same way you're treating your customers and then have them yes. bought in bought into the strategy if they feel that they're a part of it because they the, there's loads of incentives there in terms of you know em- employee benefits, but it, it's about feeling that there that there's growth and that there's feeling that there's an opportunity for them. I think that that is is even more even more important. Look, and one one area that I've seen a lot where that the best revamps that take place in a store when somebody decides to do a revamp is where there's been staff buying, where the staff have been really involved from day one in terms of planning, execution, and then more even more critically reviewing it and avoiding what you know i call the the cinderella revamp where it's just all the focus is on doing then you cut the tape and clock strikes 12 and it's gone back to the way it was that's what happens when people aren't um, engaged or where staff haven't had an opportunity to be involved they don't feel a part of it and they don't feel like it's going that it, it matters to them if it works or not where 
when they recognize the and and it's clear the, and clearly communicated of the investment that's been put in in terms yeah. of a, a, a store revamp and the benefits that can accrue when it's um delivered correctly for themselves um in terms of the the the, the role and, and the sustainability of the business that's when you can get you can see the magic really happening and when people get really excited about it so i think that that communication pieces it's it can't be um it can't be underrepresented or it can't be um we just have to focus on it as a as a sector because it's so competitive and if you don't if you don't um have that buy-in from your staff or people don't want to be part of it or can't don't see retail as a career it's um it's that's that's when the difficulty is going to is going to is going to come and i think from a lot of retailers themselves they're probably um, the smaller retailers, they, they can feel a little bit isolated, a little bit lonely out there. And it is tough at the moment. And they're going, right, you know, it's fine. You're, own, you're in a, an organization. There's 10,000 people. You can hop ideas off, off people. What do I do in this type of situation? Yeah. And what I'd always say is, look, there's, it's about creating your own team around and taking the, the time as a retailer to see different perspectives. Um, there's get a mentor, speak to other retailers. Um, have somebody as a sounding board that's the best investment that you can make with your time you know it gives you a bit of space as well to move away from the from the business and to and to look at it because at the moment when when i speak to a lot of retailers and they're comparing their business they're just comparing it with the the business that's just down the road or a business that's within their own small subset they're not getting an opportunity to actually go out and see what's happening on a wider a wider basis across Mm -hmm. the sector or across different sectors and if you think of it from the perceptive the perspective of of a customer we're just not looking at when we come into a store or we engage with the stores online we're just not thinking about that subsector we're thinking about the experiences that we have on a daily basis across multiple subsectors so they're the standards that we expect at the moment it's a a much smaller world now so i think um having a support structure and trying to get that support structure. That's the best investment they can do. Getting some mentors in place, having somebody that'll come in, a different voice maybe with the with their staff as well to energize their staff. All of those really, really, really important. But it takes time and it takes um retailers and giving themselves that time. Or else it's, you know, the alternative is just getting burnt out. And too many times I've seen retailers who are trying to to cover everything themselves. And, and then eventually they just get disengaged and disillusioned because they have no time for themselves. So it's really important that they, they try and make that time for themselves when in, in a really busy and competitive market. Yeah. Um, and, and I think what you touched on there, I think, was this working in silos. And I think that has yeah. been habitually the way it has been for a while. I'm involved in the chambers here in Galway, I suppose, and other kind of um organizations but it's it's sometimes hard to get the retailers to get feedback um so sometimes yeah. the supports are there and and i'm a big advocate if they ask that you can help but if we're not being vocal on and asking then yeah, yeah, completely. It's, all, yeah. it's always going to be a no if, if you're not if you're not never asking because it'll never be a yes unless we actually ask the question so i think that's a really good point you've raised and something that i think um a lot of retailers listening to this 
look at leaning in like we do in work. If, if anyone is in the workplace, leaning on others for that support, for that bouncing yep. things off. Um, and uh, yeah, and getting that mentoring um, or kind of support or working group going within your local community of retailers. So you can talk about the challenges you're having, even go to your local council. Is there any kind of shop local campaigns? There is funding there available. Yep. But completely. we're not having enough conversations in order to get to that place yeah, for the seat at the table. So I think that's really important to do. I'm going to bring it back because I did interrupt you. You were telling me an acronym you use called MORE. We've done Margin, we've done Omni Channel. I'm going to get you to tell us the other two. Um, yeah. because I don't want to finish this call without finding out what they are. <laughs> yeah, well, R, R is for, look, we touched on it, is recruitment and yes. retention more importantly of, yeah. of the of your staff that's the, the key what, what are you putting in place around that um and i think making your making the making the job a more enjoyable experience and the development plan is one but also being mm. smart use automation use automate look um some people again they balk in terms of auto, automation but it's really look some of it can be just very very simple there's it's retail is manual intent is manually intensive there's manually intensive tasks across some subsectors i've seen the, the difference i've seen um in some store where they've even put in electronic shelf labels the time that is freed up in terms of yeah. having to actually change every time there's a different offer you know so be, being smart with the use of automation to, to give it a more a more enjoyable experience for for staff i think that's important and having the development plan and then the last one is e is for engagement retail 101 with mm -hmm engagement with customers and engagement with with suppliers and i think the suppliers piece is even more um the customer is a given and and, re, and i think um the mm -hmm. retailers recognize that but but sometimes it's about getting back to basics the, the basics of the basics of, of of retail that there's been numerous studies on what do customers want to come back to a store service and standards accessibility and value so the mm -hmm. service and standard piece that's all about your people and having engaged people. Yeah. And when you, when you can do when you can do that and you're keeping engaged with your customers, that's really really important. From the supplier perspective, it's something that um, probably hasn't been the level of focus that needs to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what what I'm seeing with with some retailers now is that they're they're diversifying their supplier base, and it's really important when you see the the issues coming around the Red Sea. With the, um, yeah. you know, and that's that's causing it. That's so. What, what can we do? We need a contingency in place. So what retailers are doing in, in some instances, they're nearshoring their, their supply base, having more of their suppliers in, in Europe um, and thankfully more of their, their suppliers in, in Ireland as well. So I think that's a, that's a key that's a key area. And that all, there has to be balance in, in terms of negotiations with, with suppliers as well. You know, some, some retailers would have a, a reputation. They go very hard on the suppliers. And, you know, that can, if your suppliers don't when I'm looking at small, you know, Irish owned suppliers here and they feel that God, you know, we're we have to to do what the retailer does or we have to agree to that price. But that becomes unsustainable for them. And you know, that doesn't work either. Like we, we need to have that virtuous um circle of trade where people um recognize that balance is required in the relationships. And that means then that you have a functioning economy which a functioning local economy and which is um which is what we all want because we hear that we always hear the stats around. You know, you spend ten euros and uh, in, in in a local store, and it generates twenty five euros. Well, to have that twenty five euros generated, you need um strong suppliers, you need food producers, you need all of those being able to 
to, to spend in the store as well. So having balance in negotiations with suppliers, I think is important as well. So that's the M-O-R-E. That's where that's very the, good. The, yeah, that's very good. Um, I've just jotted that down because I'll just have it posted underneath just as a reference. Um, and I think that the, the point you brought up around suppliers and I seen this when I was working with um, a collective group um, of health stores was around that relationship that you said there with the suppliers and I think sometimes leaning into them to get support from a marketing perspective that you don't have to use your own budget they can support with an in-store tasting they can support with in-store marketing so leveraging those relationships and even if they have um you know a newsletter or they have a customer database or they have um, a really strong social media platform leverage that um, do an in-store promotional campaign and then piggyback off the back of these suppliers. So it needs yeah. to be a relationship where it's a give and take. Um, and I think oh, yeah, completely. That, yeah, and when that imbalance occurs, that's where we're not seeing both get what they want. But I do think those relationships with the suppliers is crucial. And I worked with a group many years ago, the Kilkenny Group, and we worked with a lot of local suppliers. Yeah, but super, own, super business, they had yeah. a really good relationship each store manager at a, at a local level would have yeah. actually known the suppliers by name if a customer came in with a broken and this is you know um irish art pieces all they, they're a high price point some of the pieces but if they mm-hmm. came in that we had the relationship with the buyer we could pick up the phone and say you know what this has happened and, you know, we could support in that function. So I, th- I think that's really important. And the suppliers are a customer to you too. Just remember that um, as you are to them. It's so because you're completely. selling each other. You're selling each other. It's it's a, you know, so that relationship should be strong in my eyes. And as a non-negotiable, I think it's important. Yeah. 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 No, completely, complete, completely yeah. concur with that. And like they're, I think at the, we're, we're looking at Irish retailers in particular, and they're competing with, with international retailers so you want that value piece getting back to that value piece having mm-hmm. that um upweighted customer service differentiating mm-hmm. yourself because mm-hmm. you've got irish suppliers and um, people recognize the provenance of the of the product being able yeah. to in- engage the after sales all of that is critical it's really that's what differentiates different will diff and will differentiate um the the retailers in the marketplace so you know, being, a, being able to pick up that phone and to have that quick conversation sorted mm-hmm. out for the customer, really, really important. So yeah. it's a relationship business and it's about making sure that those relationships are nurtured as, as and that's again, the it's that investment in time again, you know, for, mm-hmm. for, for, um, for, for the, for the retailers and the, the owners of the business is making sure that they're giving themselves time to not just focus on, on customer, but you're focusing on staff, you're focusing on suppliers, all of those things that they're, they're equal, all three equal, because that's what will give you the, the rounded proposition, you know. Yeah, I love that. Um, Owen, we've nearly come to the end. And look, we, we've gone in so many directions with it. It's been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Louise. It's yeah. been really, really interesting. Um, any, any, I suppose, any top tip you could give before we finish up, wrap up for today that you could give a retailer? You touched on key areas, I suppose, of relationships being important, culture, which I think is critical, development plans, um, and again, success and succession, which I liked. Um, you mentioned yeah. that. What does that look like? Um, and then we look to your more acronym. Um, 
Is there any tip that you could give a retailer out there that's maybe listening in, maybe they're struggling a little bit, um, I suppose, around supports available own because probably something that we didn't touch on. Um, and obviously you're you're in that um sector yourself. Is there any tips you could give for supports for retailers out there? Yeah, I think that the first tip I would say is not to be afraid to pick up the phone, be it be it to your your financial advisor, be it to your tax consultant, be it to the your your banker, um, the the lo- the Leo office, the local chamber. I think it's the it's having the confidence that you're not a, our representative group, whatever. It's act quickly in terms of that. You know, the last thing you want is to is to probably feel. I'll get I'll go through this on my own. I'll work it out. I'll work it out. I'll get to the end and it piles up. So I think it's about lifting up the lifting up the phone or arranging the meeting. You will find people that are out there that want that want to support you. Look, you can pass my details on uh, Louise. Mm-hmm. More than happy to take a call from anybody because all they're they're all different in terms of the, di- the different problems. They all require a different nuance or a different type of engagement. So, you know, I don't want to give like a a, a one size fits all. Yeah. But I yeah, 100 percent agree with that. Taking the first taking the first step is about actually by recognizing that there's a problem there and by getting in touch with somebody um, that's taking the first step. And then it's th- that person, you know, would be able to put the hands up and say, look, this isn't my area, but I'll direct you to somebody else. And I think we do have a very collegiate sector where people are supporting people that are mm-hmm. uh, that are under pressure. And we do want we do want our local retailers and our Irish retailers to to sustain because going back to the outset. It's a it's a, a virtuous economy. It's one that's creating three hundred thousand. It's it's a sector that's active in the community, creating employment, generating a, a sense of community in in so many um, areas around the country. So I think we want to maintain and preserve that. The first step is to actually recognise that I may have a problem here, and I need to speak to somebody and 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 to and to be proactive around that. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, William, for that own. And I think um, Owen touched in there on his last point, which was around um, asking the question, be curious, be have a curiosity in finding is there different ways of doing things um, um, to get a different result? Because if we keep doing the same thing, we're going to get the same result Absolutely. over and over again. So, um, yeah, and there is support out there. So I think that's important. Owen, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, the, the I... You can get me on LinkedIn, Owen Clifford. You can find me on the, the Bank of Bank of Ireland website. Or mm-hmm. um look, Louise, I'm happy for you to pass my 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 uh, my email address as well, owen.clifford at boi.com, Owen with an O. But um that's um that's that's the, the easiest way easiest way to get me. Um look would be I think if you Google, if you Google me as well, you'll see probably come up some articles I've written in across the, the the national dailies and stuff like that and my contact details will be on those as well so happy for that thank happy you. to take a call anytime thank you so much and thanks for your time Owen it was great to have you on today um, and shone a light I suppose on the retailers there that you've gone out and brilliant to see that you're on the road speaking to all those uh, retailers yeah. um, which is really really super to see thank you so much for your time Owen and see you soon thanks Louise take care okay. bye now